Hey everybody, I'm Jordan Ostroff and this is Exhibit A Attorneys where we talk to attorneys and other experts around the country about what it takes to be the Exhibit A of a successful attorney. Today's episode, very special for two reasons. One, the person on the other side of this is actually the closest anyone has been to me during this show in that we are slightly more than six feet apart, but not much more, um, as opposed to our, some of our prior guests that have been international, because uh, it's my wife. So I'm super excited to have you here. I'm excited to be here. Now, I know that you've watched all of these shows before, so I don't even really need to fill you in on what's going on because you've seen every <laughs> single episode and know exactly how this operates. So start us off. No, I'm totally kidding. Uh, <laughs> right. so, uh, so for those of you that don't know, this is Heather Ostroff uh, or Heather Trick, depending upon if she's practicing or in life, my wife who is a personal injury attorney here in Orlando, Florida, who, who really does the legal work at our firm, um, certainly oversees the personal injury team, actually is in court and actually does law stuff that I don't do. So my much, much, much better half. Um, and what we're gonna talk about today is something very near and dear to our hearts and obviously something that Heather is a master in, which is helping other attorneys actually take paternity leave. So, or maternity leave, paternity leave, parental leave, something along those lines. It's something that Heather and I had a huge struggle with uh, just over three years ago. And so we'll share the stories of what we experienced and then hopefully some great tips and tricks from Heather on what attorneys can do to be better about it than we were three years ago. Does that sound right? That is absolutely correct. All right, um, anything else you wanna include in your bio section? I mean, I feel like I know you, but I'm gonna give you a couple extra minutes if you wanna add anything else certainly i mean you pretty much covered it i am the personal injury attorney for jordan law i also administer um, most of the firm functions so i don't just practice law but i'm also in the ownership and management department and handle marketing as well so um it's a pretty all-encompassing job at jordan law you make it sound like i'm a terrible boss <laughs> Well, I'm also one of the bosses, so I might be a terrible boss. Fair enough. That's true. All right. So um, we're going to talk about parental leave, especially maternity leave. But before we do that, I want to talk about our last show that aired on Monday, where we had Melissa Shanahan as our guest. Melissa runs Velocity Work, is a coach for attorneys, and talked to us about some ways to think about unlocking your brain that your brain's your most powerful asset and that you should do whatever you can to make the best brain that you can, which will help you save the most time, which will help you save the most money, make the most money, have the most time, et cetera. And so a very interesting conversation that we had slightly different from our normal shows, but certainly something helpful for attorneys and really every small business owner, because the more powerful you are brain-wise, the better decisions you make, the easier it is for you to do all the other things that we were talking about in these episodes. So enough about that. Tell me, I mean, this is such a weird question because like I was there for this, but like, tell me your experience of not obviously the childbirth side, but the managing a firm, having cases, being in court, you know, very quickly after it. Well, I'll actually start a little bit earlier than that as to what my first experience with maternity leave was as a young attorney. So probably about three years before we had our baby, um, I remember going to a baby shower of a friend who was working at a firm 
And she had been on bed rest for already for about a month and she was due in about two months. And um, during bed rest, she wasn't supposed to be working. She was just supposed to be taking care of herself and, and her body until the baby would arrive. And I remember one of her colleagues attended the baby shower and brought like three file boxes full of files and dropped them off. And they said, here, the partner said, this is for you while you're on bed rest. And that was my first experience with what the average lawyer mom or lawyer parent goes through when they have maternity leave, um, or in some cases, bed rest or medical leave prior to having the baby. It's that um, as a profession, we have constantly fostered this idea that we are superhuman, that we don't need the break that other people have, or that maternity leave is a break and we'll have all this spare time to do all this work and catch up on things, or that for some reason it's a vacation. And so having seen other friends go through it, I knew that that's not what I wanted. And so I tried to prepare for it. You know, we told everybody we're not going to be working for at least six weeks. But I soon found about I, I gave birth on Friday. And by Monday, I had clients calling in with critical situations that we had not properly prepared our staff to handle. And so I was back at at, least, at work on at least a part time basis, pretty much from the Monday following the Friday that I gave birth. And the sad part is at least you had the opportunity to come back sort of part-time, even though it was quickly, as opposed to truly taking no time, which I think is what most people get. Correct. And I, and I still remember that when we went to the hospital, I took my laptop with me because I thought I was going to do all this work during labor because that's what you do when you're an attorney and you're a boss. And, and that's just a completely twisted view. We shouldn't be putting attorneys in this situation that we feel like when we're going through these things that we are, like I said before, superhuman enough to handle a higher pain threshold and still be able to crush some motions and client calls and stuff like that while we're giving birth. And so obviously, I mean, some good lessons being learned on a, not case by case, situation by situation basis in terms of like what other quasi emergencies or not real emergencies come up and then making sure staff is trained on it. Um, but like what else has happened since then that you think has helped us have a lot more time, freedom and flexibility? Right. So obviously we've only had one kid that I remember having. I don't know. <laughs> Baby brain is a real thing. So, um, so, but we have made an effort to take longer trips and um, vacations where our phones are turned off. So really a lot of my advice for new mothers is similar to what I would tell somebody if they plan on traveling for an extended period of time. And that's something that we really looked at after, after I went through the maternity leave, the maternity leave process that I had was, um, you know, where did we fail in our planning and where could we do better next time? And where can I help other attorneys improve their planning, their processes and procedures so that when they encounter long medical leaves or parental leave, that they're prepared and that they aren't sucked right back into their business. It's especially hard if you are the business owner because the business is in many cases your first baby. And it's hard to give away control. It's hard to, you know, kind of leave it alone for a while. But if you don't take the time that you need 
for your body to heal, to bond with your baby, to, you know, survive those first several weeks where nobody's sleeping and you don't know what you're doing, then your mental health, your physical health, your business in the long run, everything's going to suffer. So um, one of the things that, that I've talked to a lot of attorneys about is, you know, if you find out you're pregnant, the first thing you need to do is sit down and examine every role that you play in your firm. So well, hold on, I, I want to jump before you get into that. So sure. because you're you're talking at that part. At, sorry, I can't talk. Um, I did warn people I was just going to be making inintelligible points because you're here. So mm -hmm. um, but I, I want to focus on because what you're talking about there is the firm owner. But before we get to that, I sort of want to back up to people that are not necessarily the firm owners, if there's any advice you have to them, because obviously the firm owner is going to have the most control, but also the most responsibility in theory. So like to somebody who's just got, you know, who, who has a job at another firm, what advice, guidance, tips do you have for them? So a lot of it is very similar to being a firm owner, but there's just a more truncated set of roles that a, that a um, associate may play within a firm. You still need to identify what are the things you as an associate are primarily responsible for. Are you the one that's attending all the hearings, the depositions? Are you the one who's doing primarily research or writing, writing motions? Are you responsible for a lot of the marketing? Identify those things and, and try and understand at a very early point in your pregnancy, how you're able to train and educate or be able to put on hiatus some of those responsibilities. Okay. So I love how you, you spun that question back into the answer I was looking for, but also explain to me why I was stupid for jumping in. So I love that. Um, I, so the very beginning, I mean, obviously like you find out you're pregnant within four to six weeks like start doing it now, just don't tell people like, what's your, what's your guidance there? Right. It, you know, and it's, it's easy to give the attorney answer, which is it depends. And every, everything involving a child is not one size fits all. So you learn that pretty quickly as a parent, but you also have to learn that that applies to every step of the maternity leave process. So it's, it applies to your pregnancy. Um, so, so you have to first, understand what your needs are as a person for your health, for your family, but you have to under also put some goals in place. Very tentative goals because everybody that I talk to, nothing ever goes the way that they plan it with kids and with pregnancy, but get an idea of, you know, what do I want my maternity leave to look like? What resources do I have in place in order to achieve that? And what resources am I going to need to put in place build up, educate, train, automate before we get to that point. Um, and, and then a lot of it's going to come down to practicing and make sure, making sure that those things work before the real thing happens. So that way you can tweak and refine and make things a little bit better as you go along so that when you take that leave, when you have a baby or when you decide to go on an eight-week backpacking trip of Europe, that that you're not constantly going, oh, this is the first time my employees have dealt with this, so what do I do? And it's interesting because I think that a lot of people sort of focus on just getting everything triaged for that time frame, but then you come back to four months, six months worth of work immediately. So ideally, I think those people should want to have somebody else actually handle it as opposed to just you know kicking the can down the road until they're back. Am I correct in that? 
Absolutely. And, and I think that you also should start to realize, you know, you need to realize early on your priorities are going to change once you have a baby. Before I had a baby, I was focused on working as much as possible, trying to make as much money as possible, trying to have so much control over my cases, over my marketing, over every little thing. And then once I had a child, one, I realized that that, that was not a sustainable practice for me in order to be able to spend time with my kid and then also have a good career. But it wasn't as important for me to have as much influence as I had over everything. And so if you're starting now with helping make sure that everybody else in the firm can take a little piece of what you do and do it as good or nearly as good as you're doing it, then when you eventually realize what your life looks like with a child, it won't be as large of an adjustment or you're not going to be sitting here constantly battling demons over trying to maintain the same level of work and um, input that you were doing prior to the baby as what you want to be doing now that you have a baby. Okay. So, and I think that's awesome. And I think we need to dive deeper into that, but I sort of want to go in chronological order. Maybe that's not the right phrase, but so, you know, we've got that immediate moment of, you know, you're pregnant, start coming up with this list of the things that you're actually involved in. Um, is that's going to be different for everybody, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And so, it's different for everybody. And then I always say that like the one piece of advice that I give people when they're saying, you know, okay, I, I'm going to have this baby. We all know that's going to happen. Um, I'm going to take maternity leave. And I think I can be back at it in three weeks. I always tell people, plan for your firm to take the longest amount of time you think you need. It's easy to come back early. It's easy to jump right back in early if you're ready. But if you're not ready, if you say, I, I'm a rock star, I can, do, I can do three weeks at home and I'll be back. But for some reason, you have a serious trauma during um, childbirth or um, you're going through the baby blues really badly or your body just isn't healing or for whatever reason, you don't want to be sitting here at three weeks with your firm and everybody expecting you to be back. And you're just not, you're just not there. So, but from the standpoint of having that list of what you're actually responsible for is your advice to knock off the easier ones first or knock off the mo more important ones first or knock off the ones that take the most time first. Like how do you, how do you advise an attorney on the information of what to prioritize, I guess. So I think that once you've identified all of your roles within the firm, it's it should be pretty easy to kind of go through and look and say, OK, I do payroll every week or every two weeks. You know, is there somebody else right off the top of my mind? Is there somebody else at my firm who is immediately qualified or could be in, you know, with minimal training? Or am I going to have to look at outsourcing that and interviewing people? And so I think that you can kind of get an idea of the amount of time investment you're going to need in order to get that role filled or covered um, right off the bat. From there, it, it just takes a lot of, um, from there, I would then look at your, uh, whether you think you can automate some of it or automate some of your employees' responsibilities so that that way when you, give some of your workload to them. They're not overwhelmed with things that could be automated. And then also look at your policies and procedures and see what is currently put in place. What, what is put in place for sending out invoices if I'm not here on a day that invoices go out? And how can we flesh that out to make that a more long-term thing? And is it comprehensive enough 
that if I'm out on maternity leave and the person that I've specifically trained to do this is out for some reason, that somebody else can just open up the policies, read it and catch on quickly. But to back up for a second, so I, I love the answer that you're talking about there from you know training somebody who's already, or somebody being able to take it over immediately, training somebody who's already there, bringing somebody else in, outsourcing it, automating it. I love those as being five, maybe there's a couple other solutions. But in terms of prioritizing what to get off of your plate first, is there any guidance that you have from that perspective? Certainly, I think, I think that that's unique to each person. And I think that as, as the experts in our role at our firm, we are going to know what is going to be the most difficult thing to achieve. I think for most lawyers, it's going to be finding an attorney or somebody to cover their work who's going to be able to complete it and achieve it with the same high quality results that we always produce our work at and the same level of client satisfaction. Um, I know that one of the biggest concerns for attorneys going on maternity leave or parental leave is that their clients won't like the other person or connect with them as much as they connect with the attorney that they actually hired. And so I think starting early and and focusing on that is probably a priority for most attorneys simply because um, your, your reputation means everything, client satisfaction means everything, and your work product means everything. And so focusing on that is probably one of the top priorities. See, it's interesting to me because you end up having the kind of, maybe it's not a catch 22, but it's, but maybe it is like in essence, the sooner you bring on that other attorney, whoever's going to cover the cases while you're gone, the longer the client can build a relationship with both of you while you're still there. But at the same time, the sooner you do that, the harder it is for you to find time to get some of the other stuff off your plate, because now you have to train this attorney and help them build the relationships and still keep managing the cases. And so like it almost, I mean, there is no right answer, unfortunately, um, but it almost seems like getting the easier things off your plate gives you that little extra time every week to spend the additional time it takes to hire a new person, interview, train, whatever. But maybe I'm looking at it wrong. You know, you can you can probably do it either way, but I think that for most attorneys, they're going to feel most comfortable trusting two or three months of their firm's well-being in the hands of somebody that they've been able to ease into the processes and systems of a firm that can take over a period of several months. I also recommend to pregnant women, firm owners, or, you know, the fathers who may be taking leave as well to do practice runs throughout the pregnancy, you know, starting very short, maybe a day or two at a time of what, what the business running would look like while the attorney's on parental leave and then getting a little bit longer up until essentially starting leave a little bit before the baby's born, just so that you can kind of catch any issues that come up. Um, and so the sooner that you get an attorney integrated into your systems and understanding how your firm works and how your processes work, the easier it's going to be to have those practice runs. Yeah. And I, it's, it's so interesting that you, you phrase it that way, because like, ultimately I think a lot of people think, Hey, I'm on a nine month clock or eight month clock or whatever it is by that time. But ultimately like what you talked about with your front on bed, bed rest for a lot of us, it may end up being a six month clock or a four month clock. I mean, if you know, if you've got anything that comes up, if it's not a 
easy pregnancy, and I'm using quotes for the purpose of there is no easy pregnancy, you know, you may have other issues that make it uh, shorter for you to have to be out of the office. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think you can feel a lot more comfortable knowing that you did a one week practice run and then your baby came a month and a half early and you didn't get to do that other practice run rather than waiting until one, until the baby's born or two, until, you know, a week or two before you're scheduled to give birth. Because I think anybody who has a child knows they don't give a crap about what the schedule says. <laughs> they, they don't care what, what due dates and, you know, expectations are they're going to come on their own time and do their own thing. All right. So, you know, as soon as, you know, start figuring out what you actually have to do, make a list of what needs to come off of your plate. And we talked about some of the things to consider when you prioritize in terms of moving those, those things off of your plate, other than somebody who's already there training, somebody who's already there hiring somebody new outsourcing or automating. Are there any other off the top of your head ways to get, I mean, I guess the other options don't do some things, but I think those probably are options in terms of getting things off of your plate. In getting, well, I think I think the other thing that you need to do is start meeting with your staff early and often because they're going to also have ideas of how they can step up to the plate, the things that they're willing to shoulder for you, and that can, you know, it, it should not be a you project to build a firm that allows you to take maternity leave. It should be a firm project in building the kind of firm that's not gonna just allow you to take parental leave, but then will in the future allow any other member of your team to take um, maternity or paternity leave. Because you know you may be the test subject, but I can guarantee you that at some other point in your firm's career, you're going to have employees that are out on medical leave or that wanna take a long honeymoon or have, have children of their own and and, and them being part of this team will not only uh, make it a smoother transition when that happens, but they'll be more invested in making sure that it goes well. So that brings up a really good question that there probably isn't an answer to, but I'm gonna ask it anyway. So if you're a true solo, is now a good time to maybe, is, is that pregnancy time a good time to maybe bring in somebody who can keep everything going? Or is it maybe time to partner up with somebody for the next year? So you've got some time or like, what are some of the options for that true solo? Sure. So, you know, like you said, there's no good answer for that because my response for somebody who does family law is going to be different than my response for somebody who does um, estate planning and so on and so forth. So it, it's really dependent on your practice and what your practice looks like. Some attorneys who have who are purely transactional can do a lot of things to um, to automate the system or use virtual assistance or um, have just some coverage counsel to bridge the gap so that they don't need to expand, especially if they don't want to expand. Um, ideally, your maternity leave is putting your firm in a position where if you want to, you can come back to that exact same role and you don't have to restructure your entire firm. You don't have to make your job something you didn't want it to be just so that you could take three months off. Um, but it is a good opportunity to talk about expanding. And I do think that our community is becoming more welcoming of the idea that we are just as valuable, even if we take three months off as attorneys because we can come back stronger and as much better multitaskers. And so it's not a weakness to t pair up with somebody at the point that you already know you're going to be out on maternity leave. 
Makes sense. And uh, Louis Montone says what's up to all of us. So he's uh, enjoying the conversation, I, I hope. So, all right. And then from the standpoint of already being slightly larger, again, like, are we also talking about pros and cons? Like the more people you have, the easier it is to move things over, but the more cases you're probably have, like what's the, what's the analysis there? So if you already have a firm that has multiple um, employees or attorneys, then it's easier to spread the workload out more. But the more working parts you have, obviously, the more complicated it gets. And so now instead of training, you know, one very reliable, very consistent and loyal person that you know is absolutely going to be there for three months with you on the roles that they need, you might be training two people for each role that needs to be covered in order to make sure that there's a backstop or a check and a balance against each other. The checks and balances, I think, are fantastic regardless, because that's kind of a way to keep your eyes on the situation is to make sure that there are multiple people in there for quality control. Um, so it does get more complicated, but there are benefits to it as well. So and, you know, I, I don't want to I don't want to use any names, but I know we've had at least one, if not multiple friends that have had a staff member leave it th at this exact same time frame as well. So they, you know, did all this stuff to plan how to get coverage and then lost, you know, a staff member. So that's something else I think people need to be cognizant of. Absolutely. And, and when that happens, then if you have put those policies and procedures in place, I know in our firm, we um, video record any trainings that we do. So that way, you know, somebody can watch a video and see things step by step. If you have those things in place, while it absolutely sucks and things are going to go wrong, you have the information in place so that somebody can come in and doesn't need you to sit down and train them, especially if it's after you've had the baby. They can hopefully get 90% of what they need from what you have previously written and provided. Yeah. And so it's um, uh, Ryan McKean said something, or at least I heard it from him that was like, knowledge has no value in your head. And I, I've always taken that to heart because what you said is so true. And not just for paternity, you know, somebody quits and leaves, somebody gets sick and is out, somebody, you know, isn't in the office that day, they, their kids running a fever and they're, you know, they're homesick. Like the more that you have these systems down and the more that you have some sort of policy and procedure manual, the easier really any business issue is going to be to solve. Yeah. And you, you really start to realize that when somebody's out for one day, you know, it's, it's kind of annoying, but you, you're fine. We can cover it. They'll get back to it when they can come back tomorrow. But then when somebody is out for a week and, you know, I know a lot of attorneys encountered this during COVID, they had an employee that got COVID and was out for two weeks, three weeks, a month. And then, then you really start to realize these are the things that only this employee knew or that only this employee did that nobody else was trained on, that nobody else knows how to do. And, and it's not a situation where you can just wait until that person comes back. You have to figure out how to make sure that the rest of your staff can pick up the slack from where they left off. And so I know, you know, obviously, you know, that we are working, our current project with our policies and procedures is working on the sick leave task list for what, you know, if my paralegal's out, who's going to cover her tasks and what are the ones that need to be accomplished on a daily basis or weekly basis um, and, and how we can make it work 
even if not at 100% efficiency, at maybe 90% efficiency and not lose all that productivity. Yeah, and I think that's a strong point because like you have to be okay not having everything be perfect without you as much as we want to not be essential to our business at the same time, like we should have some sort of value. So just be okay with it, I think is the best advice. Yes. And, you know, and, and with maternity and, and paternity leave, there are so many other things you have to worry about during that time. You have to worry about doctors and doctor's appointments. You have to worry about daycare and childcare and, you know, all this stuff that you absolutely have to have for this baby and, and all this stuff that's going on. And it's kind of unfair to us as attorneys, especially solos and small firm owners, that then we also have this massive project that we have to undertake in order to make sure that our jobs are still there when we come back. Um, because that was one of the scariest things taking maternity leave is will we, have, will I have clients to come back to? Will our firm survive us having a child? And, um, and, and so, you know, really, if you're 25 years old starting your firm and don't have kids yet, that may still be something that you want to start working on so that when that does eventually happen for you, that's not the most important overwhelming thing that you're dealing with during pregnancy. Well, just, it's interesting to me because so much of this is like the core tenets of a successful business, but especially most law firms being smaller, it's a question of what's the best use of your time. And while you don't necessarily have the need to be ready to take maternity leave or take a month off, you can spend the time that you would build those systems instead on marketing, instead on networking, instead on, you know, getting more cases to make more money. But at some point, you know, the bill becomes due. Yep, absolutely. So I don't want to talk about pregnancy itself, because I think that's a very specific thing for everybody. But in terms of other things to talk about before the baby is born, is there anything else that you want to cover and make sure that we address? So, um, I, you know, I think that one thing that is un not unique to attorneys, but it's um, I've talked to a lot of attorney moms that don't realize how early you need to start planning for things like childcare, um, other things that and, and there's you can do a lot of research in how to make parenting more efficient as well, because if you've got efficiency in some of the issue, things you deal with as a parent, then that helps save you time. Um, not only in your private life, but takes away um, issues that you have that will take you away from work. So for example, um, I can't speak highly enough about doing virtual doctor's visits. And I didn't have that set up when I first had my baby, or at least I didn't know about it. And I, can I can't tell you how many times that has saved me from missing work to take my kid to urgent care because I didn't know what was wrong with him. He had a fever in the middle of COVID or, you know, he threw up, he fell. And, um, and because of that, I've only had one day in three years that I've, I've really had to miss work because of a, a serious medical issue. Um, and so looking for efficiency, things like that can not only help in your private life, it is very reassuring to, have something happen at 6 a.m. and not be freaking out until 8.30 in the morning when urgent care opens, but also has a huge impact on your career. Um, I would also think about, you know, if you're a, if you're a networking-based attorney, so if part of your job is consistently networking, you need to start planning now about how you're going to maintain those relationships even after you have a child. 
So prior to COVID, I was setting up networking events with people at playgrounds or, you know, having brunch with friends on the weekends, you know, with people who I would network with on the weekends when we could bring our kids and, um, and still be able to chat. And um, if you kind of, if you kind of wait and see what happens, you're going to feel excluded from traditional forms of networking. And so I think it's important to start pushing forward on um, things that are more accessible to you. Uh, you know, I was still able to plan well enough in advance that, you know, you would stay home with, with our baby while I would go to happy hour or vice versa, or we'd be able to get childcare, but that's not, you know, that's not a, an option for all families. And so those are things to think about now. And so that's, that's what I wanted to get to, but I just, I want to make sure that we just covered the things to consider, think about, et cetera, before the baby comes anything else. Cause obviously we're going to spend five or 10 minutes on what you just brought up. Right. So I would say, um, and, and I have an outline here that I'm hoping to turn into a course soon. So I'm kind of reviewing my outline. Um, so I'm looking at, you know, childcare arrangements. You need to sign up for childcare if you're going to do a daycare, probably around seven or eight weeks pregnant, um, especially if you have in mind a shorter maternity leave, just because those um, those places will fill up quickly. And if you're if you're all about planning and making sure that everything's going according to plan, it really will throw a wrench in your plans if you find out that the daycare you really want to send your kid to doesn't have availability until your kid is eight months old. So, um, so I, I know everybody talks about it, but that is a must for uh, solo small firm attorneys who who want to make sure that things go according to plan as much as possible. Um, other things to consider when you're doing when you're pregnant and they want to call you in for these doctor's visits, make sure you're getting these scheduled. They'll tell you when your next one is. Ask for all the possible ones that you can schedule out as far as possible so that um, you're taking out a lot of the variables. Uh, and then you also have to start planning on when you're going to tell your employer or when you're going to tell your staff. Obviously, people don't want to tell anybody too early. Um, but like I said before, I don't think that we are as, I think that our community is in a place where there's not as negative of an outlook when people announce that they're pregnant as what there used to be, where women used to hide it as long as possible. And because it puts everybody in a better position for planning purposes, my position is, is the earlier, the better. Um, now I will say, and I, I truly, truly, truly hope that you are correct from the employer standpoint, from the employee standpoint, but I do think you're going to have clients that consciously or subconsciously make the decision not to hire you because you're about to give birth or because you're about to go out on paternity leave or something like that. Like I know that that's going to be an issue that sits on a lot of clients' minds. Have you, you found that to be true? Yeah, a hundred percent. I definitely think that that is an issue. Um, and one of the things that I had noted in, in my outline is that um, when you realize that you are pregnant, if this is not something that you are already doing, then this is something that you should be doing is tracking the average life of your cases. So trying to understand that if, you know, obviously this isn't going to help you if your cases last an average of two years, because the ones that fall during your maternity leave are already in your case file. But, you know, if you're a criminal defense attorney and you start realizing that your average misdemeanor is resolved in about 
five months and your average felony is resolved in about nine months, then um, when you are talking to clients about their expectations and how their case is going to go, you're able to be upfront and honest with them about, you know, your case is most likely to resolve in this amount of time. If it takes a little bit longer, I'll be on maternity leave. Or the estimated res resolution time would fall within my maternity leave. So if you're, and I will try and get it done prior to leave, but if that's not possible, it'll be about six to 10 weeks later than that. Is that okay with you? I think putting those expectations out there up front is great. Um, there's always gonna be people, there are, will always be people who are not okay with it because their case is their priority. But look, if, if a client thinks that their legal issue is more important than you being at home recovering from a major medical event and taking care of a brand new baby, that is not the right client for you. Drop them and move on because I can guarantee you that whatever they are dealing with in that moment, few exceptions apply, is not more important than you keeping that tiny human alive and recovering from what is one of the most terrifying and painful experiences of your life. And obviously, I mean, I see the opportunity to use that as a sales pitch of like, hey, if you want your case to take longer, like chances are I'm going to really get a good three to six months of maternity leave on a, you know, uh, whatever, letting the, letting the court know I'm on motion front availability or something along those lines. So there may be a sales opportunity in there. Yeah, I never had somebody hire me for that purpose, but I do recall that at the time I was handling cases that some of my clients were just like, I just kind of want to wait it out. And I'm like, well, the good news is there's not really an option here. If we don't resolve it by February 28th, it's not getting resolved until June. So I did have some very understanding clients, but I also went to trial when I had an eight week old. So, you know, there's, it, it kind of was a spectrum that in some situations it all worked out just fine. And then in other situations, I was kind of forced back into the courtroom a little bit earlier than I was hoping for. So, um, and obviously statute of limitations issues, clients in jail. I mean, the more for any attorney listening to this, the more litigation heavy you are, the more likely that it is to happen. The more transactional you are, the easier it is to say, Hey, we're going to get your signing meeting done. Normally it takes three weeks. We'll do it in two because I'm going to be gone. That's a lot different than like, Hey, client, you need to sit in jail, or I know that you're dying and your family won't recover money. If you pass away before this case is resolved, you know, you're not going to be in the same position to push those things uh, down the line. So I want to transition though, after you have the child, um, obviously there's going to be positives and negatives to that process, especially at the beginning, you know, like don't look forward to sleeping for some period of time, but like at the end of it, you have a child and hopefully you think that you find that to be a positive thing, at least for the most part at some point, but like, what are some of the ways that it impacted your attorney life after having a kid that you didn't expect going into it? So um, the trial that I mentioned doing in eight weeks, I did not expect how under-equipped most courthouses are for, um, for nursing moms. So if that is one of your plans during pregnancy, look into it now. Um, in one circuit that I regularly practice in, one county has a nursing room and the other one didn't. So I was pumping in my car. And in that particular case, during trial, I had to use the opposing counsel's witness room for pumping because... I didn't have any other options. Um, and so consider that, you know, if you're traveling um, between, if, especially in that really early stage, if you, if you are breastfeeding or you're pumping, 
you're going to need to plan for pumping while you're driving, um, which I did pretty frequently, or getting somewhere early enough that, that you can accomplish that and bringing all the supplies with you. And then what do you do if your deposition is four hours long? You know, where are you going to store all of your supplies and all the liquid gold? So that I was not really expecting. Nobody really told me how hard that would be um, prior to having a baby. And they also didn't tell me how much of an impact working full time has on your body after pregnancy. It makes you heal a lot slower as well as on things like milk production. Um, then one of the biggest impacts was just networking. It was so hard to resume the same level of networking that we had prior to having a kid. You will never have more time than you had before having a kid. You'll never have more sleep than you had before having a kid. Uh, and, and it was very difficult going from, you know, going to different legal organizations, happy hours every night, having all these lunches to, you know, having to figure out childcare, having to figure out, you know, who's going to what, or um, maybe I'm bringing my kid to happy hour tonight. I don't know. It's happened. He's been to court a few times. He's been to happy hour. Um, I wouldn't do that as much now that he's three, but uh, <laughs> so that was something that I really didn't expect. And I also didn't realize how, um, how central to my career the networking activities were until they were gone. So yeah. we've made it, we've made a lot of adjustments during COVID, but I'm sure that as soon as we are able, everything will be back in person and it will be just as difficult for working parents again. Well, and I think it's, it's a double-edged sword. I, I don't know. It, it works in both directions because you're also going to get referral sources or people you're connected with that like, you no longer have anything in common with now that you have a child. But at the same time, you'll have other ones that have a kid that you will build a better relationship with. And so like, you know, the, the bar may not do a Saturday morning playground hangout, but like, I know you've got your uh, law mom's Facebook group to organize stuff like that. And obviously COVID whatnot, but like you created a whole community that is targeted towards getting together with your kids. And so it just sort of changes what you're doing and changes the time of when you're doing it. But it's really interesting to me to see a lot of what you've done to use that as a I don't even want to say weapon, but like use it to your benefit. Yeah, absolutely. There's, you're able to connect with people who have the same frustrations and limitations that you have. Um, I, and, and to add on to the list of things that, that you don't know or really aren't aware of until it happens are, you know, all the issues that come along with having a kid, even after infancy or after leave is done. You know, what happens when your kid gets sick? Who takes off of work? I mean, my kid has been to court with me because I had a hearing I couldn't miss and he was kept out of school because of green boogers. You know, it happens. Um, to be fair, you make me sound like a I have taken him to court as well. Yes, you have also I taken him I have stayed home court. and watched him. I just, I'm, I'm getting, I feel personally attacked a little bit. <laughs> that, is, that is correct. And the Orange County Courthouse does have a childcare area. Don't take sick kids there. But if for some reason your childcare falls through, um, they do have a place where you can take a one-year-old and up fantastic daycare center. But I've only heard of that in the Orange County Courthouse. But that is a lifesaver for parents. Um, and the juvenile courthouse does not have the same opportunity. They do not. So the other thing that um, that that we are fortunate enough to not need to deal with is 
um, that if your child has special medical needs when they are born, that, you know, you, that's a conversation that you should have with your partner, you know, while you're pregnant, that if this is a situation, how are we going to make that work with our careers or how are we going to adjust our careers to make that work for our child? Because, um, I mean, like our child was born with a micro cleft palate that did require some extra doctor's visits and, um, just to make sure and some, and speech therapy, just to make sure that everything had healed properly in utero and that there wouldn't be long-term issues, but some kids are going to have these therapies and these medical needs far and beyond, you know, five months or a year or whatever. And, and that really does impact somebody's career. And some people, you know, they may change where they live to be more convenient to um, doctors and stuff. So that way they don't miss as much work. They may alter the way that their practice works. And, you know, for us, we built our practice with the purpose of being family first. So it didn't impact us as much. But for other attorneys, that's going to have a huge impact on your career. And you need to figure out what's the contingency if that does happen. Right. Like there's a ball pit in the office next to yours with some toys for him should he need to come. And thankfully, you know, it hasn't been often. And honestly, at this point, he wants to come to the office probably because there's a ball pit and toys and snacks, but um, really, anyway. school, so. yeah, I guess that's, that's part of it. Um, so I had a question and then I got sidetracked with the ball pit. Everybody gets sidetracked with the ball pit. Yeah, that's true. Um, I, I mean, I get, Oh, the thing I wanted to add something that nobody ever told me until it happened to me, the child gets a bill too. I just want to make sure everybody's aware of that. I try to share that piece of information as much as possible. Like we knew what Heather's pregnancy was going to cost. And then like randomly another bill came in for a lot of money for our child that I swear nobody before told me to expect. Um, so I'm just putting that out there. That's the, that's my one tidbit to add to this. All right. So as we get towards the end of our conversation today, is there anything else you want to make sure we cover? I mean, I just, I, I feel very strongly about how we should be normalizing people taking this much time off. And, and I do want to say like, you should, you should still expect pushback from people. You will still get pushback from opposing counsels, sometimes even judges, they really shouldn't. And most judges are fantastic about it, but um, you know, don't be thrown off. Just, you have to understand that, that most of this world is living in 2021 and they support you and we should all want what's best for parents and children to make sure that we are raising good nurtured adults into this world. But every once in a while, you'll come across a person or two, especially in litigation cases, that is just going to say that's not an appropriate reason to have a continuance. And, you know, most of the time I'm just like, well, when you grow a human being, let me know and I'll give you three months, three months off. Seriously. So just be aware it's still going to happen. We are working really hard as a community, as a legal community to weed those people out, but um, don't be surprised. So, and a longtime listener, good friend of the show, Carlos has a question that I think is an, an awesome question. So for you at the point that you had our child, you would have been like a seven year experience attorney. Yes. So his question is what advice do you have for those new attorneys with children um, so maybe it's a situation where they are new to the practice of law and maybe they're, maybe they have younger kids 
or even older kids? Is there any different advice there? Uh, I don't know that the advice is necessarily different. I do think that it was easier, easier from our firm's reputation and establishment standpoint that we had, we were established that we had been around by the time that, that I was leaving to take maternity leave for the newer attorneys. They don't always have that luxury because they're still grinding really hard to establish themselves as great attorneys and great business owners. But you start to realize how many of our friends in the community, how many of our um, referral sources and the people we network with also have kids. I mean, like I've met some attorneys that I've never met their wives because they're always at home with the kids or I've never met their husbands because their husbands are always at home with the kids. That is an opportunity. That is an opportunity for you to be able to make a connection with them and bring your kids together. It's chaotic. It's, you know, you're going to commiserate together. You might drink a little bit more than you would otherwise. But, you know, those are people who are going to appreciate it so much more that while they're spending time with you, they're still getting to spend time with their family and that you are welcoming and understanding. So it doesn't matter if you're a four second old attorney or a 15 year attorney. If you guys have those things in common, then I would encourage you to do that. Jordan and I do so much more networking now with other couples, with their families, because, um, you know, I, I think one, I think that it's incredibly important for our children to see us um, interacting with other adults and, and networking because they learn those skills from us. But also, you know, it's it's really great when the people that you're um, seeing on a professional basis become friends and your kids can become friends. And and that way um, you don't have to make a decision between family and work. Yeah. And um, to go off, to go a little farther than that, the sort of not necessarily older your kids get, but like the more your kids get involved in other things, whether that's sports, Cub Scouts, whatever it is, that's a great opportunity to network with other non-attorneys. You know, if you're, if you're a personal injury attorney, if you're a criminal defense attorney, if you're a family attorney, you know, you may get to know the other parents with the soccer team and those may become future clients or future referral sources that you wouldn't have other than the bonding of having a child. And so, you know, it's, it's weird to me to frame it that way, but it sort of makes it easier to prioritize being involved in your child's life from a positive business perspective, but also just from the, exactly what you said, like the benefit of showing them what, you know, how to have a life, how to interact with adults, how to network, how to learn some of these entrepreneurial skills that are definitely not going to get taught in school. Um, it's pretty interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Before before I had a child, I used to play um, recreational sports, primarily kickball and volleyball. And I would get so many referrals from people that I played sports with. And so um, while I don't have the opportunity to play those as often anymore, that's now converted to the things that I do with other moms or other families, because, you know, those are the people that I see a lot and they happen to know that I'm a lawyer that practices personal injury. And so when they get into a car accident or get hurt or know somebody that gets hurt, they'll call me first. And and so that's still a benefit to my profession, but also a benefit to my child to have other kids to grow up with. And well, until it's uh, the family at gymnastics before COVID talking about all the uh, conspiracy theories with us, but that's a separate issue. All right. So with everybody. That's true. All right. So um, our next episode airs on next Monday, and that's going to be at 1.30. We have 
um, Ify Abekwe, who's going to come on and talk to us about ways to use Clubhouse and Instagram to grow your firm. That, that episode is, I guess, also a special episode because we are going to be on Clubhouse during the episode, but then go to a conversation on Clubhouse after the episode. So we will see the links there. You can watch the show live and we'll interact with everybody on Clubhouse afterwards. That is next Monday, 1.30, and then the Clubhouse will start, you know, 2.15, 2.30, whenever the show is over. Um, but I'm not going to let you go yet. I'm going to do the same thing for you that I do for all of our prior guests that I know you are totally experienced and ready about because you've watched so many of these other episodes of the show, where um, if somebody has listened to this for the last 50 minutes and takes nothing else from this except what you're about to say now, what is the most important piece of advice, the biggest takeaway you can have to help people become the exhibit A of a successful attorney? So this is the advice that I give, not just for maternity leave, but for every brand new attorney, every one of my mentees, intern, interns, everybody. Decide what kind of lifestyle you want now and how your career is going to support your lifestyle. Because if you try and make your lifestyle support your career, your career will be the only thing you're ever focused on. So that's the one piece of advice that I would give everyone. I love that. And so, and there are people that are truly motivated by money and get happiness out of that. And there are truly people that get happiness and joy out of their own personal prestige and, you know, whatever, and to each their own. But I just find which one actually makes sense to you. Don't be working towards what you think other people want to see from you that you don't actually like and then be miserable. Absolutely. If you, if you put your career first from the very beginning, it is very hard to change that later. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, I'll see you in a lot in like five minutes and then for the rest of the night, but I appreciate your time coming on our show. Awesome. Can I lock you in on public in public to making dinner tonight? Uh, yeah, we're going to reheat what I made for dinner last night because we have Great. the leftover sausage. <laughs> I liked it. So, all right. Enough about that, though. Thank you. No, seriously, though. Thank you for jumping on. I know this is very helpful and un for me, even though we've talked about this before. And I can only imagine it's be super helpful for other people. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for listening to this episode of Exhibit A Attorneys. If you're interested in becoming the Exhibit A of a successful attorney, please check us out at LegalEaseMarketing.com, E-A-S-E.